0: We had gotten access to these resources that, you know, black people are never given, you know, because they're always disbarred from it. And Mm -hmm. to which a certain extent Asians could gain access to, you know, it's a perfect example of that. My mom understood that. My dad understood that about my mom and about that dynamic. And so these Blasian black Asian kids got all the resources that are typically, typically uh, cut off from them, right? And we, we, we use that system against itself as a family unit.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Situation Room for our season two premiere. We are back resuming our journey into Asian America to talk about the Asian American Pacific Islander or AAPI issues, culture and stories. As always, we dive deep into the issues in the Asian American community from questions like where are you really from and representation to sharing food and our own experiences. My name is Emily Villaverdi.
2: And I'm Zach King. We have an incredible season two premiere episode for you. And this episode, we get to know Ryan Alexander Holmes and his story. Ryan is an actor and content creator. He primarily creates content for Instagram and TikTok about his experience as a Black and Asian American man. Some of the themes in this interview include systematic racism, anti-Blackness in the Asian community, identity, history, uh, being mixed, uh, Asian holidays, and even more. So stay tuned.
1: Yeah, guys, this is an incredible interview. I can't think of a better way to start off our second season so before we actually jump into our topic interview as many of you guys have noticed we went on a sort of hiatus for the past few months to not only prepare for the premiere of our second season of the situation room but zach and i both had some things in our own personal lives outside of the situation room that you know kept us occupied as you guys remember zach and i are both students um and you know, some, the semester has kept us busy.
2: Dude, you know what I realized happened during our hiatus? What you and I met like saw each other again because we had a, we right. haven't haven't seen you in person before that since March. And we started mm-hmm. the podcast in May. We launched. Yeah. And that entire time I had not seen you in person. Yeah. Until what month? August? No, not August. January. I forgot what semester, what part of the year. Yeah, till January. And now it's mm-hmm. it's June again. So Guys,
1: we were still preparing for the situation room in the same state, on the same college campus. We were still doing it remote. We were still socially distancing ourselves. We were doing our planning meetings over Zoom, um, outdoors with masks on, like in gliders. And I don't think we've never recorded in the same room together.
2: That's true. We have not
1: even Maybe when we were we both will.
2: on campus but yeah we'll, we'll set up a dc studio in your apartment <laughs> we'll do, figure it out anyway let's get into the interview all right welcome back to the situation room so ryan on instagram you shared a story that i want to ask you about so in the Asian American community, we talk about racism and discrimination, uh, but too often it's used to negate or equate the other struggles of other minority communities, especially the Black community. And you know, I don't want to minimize anyone's experience at all, but you know, I thought your story of your family moving to a conservative, homogenous neighborhood really conveyed some of the complexity of racial prejudice in America. So can you tell that story of your mother going alone to tour the house without your father?
0: Oh, that post. Yeah. I did post about that? Oh yeah okay yeah um so my so back when we were moving to san marino i'm gonna put you on blast san marino san marino (laughs) which is in the san gabriel valley um in los angeles my dad already had the foresight to know that this predominantly white and asian neighborhood uh would not accept a black person so instead him him my dad and my mom we're like okay what's the best way to get this house because we can we can get it uh we we are financially able to afford it and they came to the agreement like okay i'll go my mom was like i'll go alone and then i'll talk about my husband uh you know but i'll never say that he's black you know and i'll talk about my kids but i'll never mention blackness at all you know so she did the tour she she met with the people she signed the contract and then when we moved in, it was like, wait, <laughs> wait, hold on. This is, you know, like the neighbors and the person who was, was uh, selling the house to us was like, wait, hold on. What's going on here? You, you said not, nah. you know what I mean? It, but of course they didn't confront her about it. But mm-hmm. the look <laughs> on surprise was just so sweet. It was just Such a sweet experience, I think, for my dad and my mom to be like, yeah, we beat you at your own goddamn game. You know, and and also the, the benefit of that, too, is like we we were we had gotten access to these resources that, you know, black people are never given, you know, because they're always disbarred from it and mm-hmm. to which a certain extent Asians could gain access to, you know, it's a perfect yeah. example of that. My mom understood that my dad understood that about my mom about that dynamic and so these blasian black asian kids got all the resources that are typically typically uh cut off from them right and we 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 use that system against itself as a family unit right there is no way that we're that my parents are going to let me fail you know i went to chinese i went to school before school i went to school after school I went to Chinese school after school. Uh, I was constantly doing parent homework, but the but the most important thing was the fact that like my parents instilled instilled in, instilled in me a love for learning. You know, so it wasn't always like, "Hey Ryan, do your goddamn homework." Yeah, both <laughs> homework, both sets of homework, do that and this. There's like, you know, what are you interested? What do you like to do? And then giving me a bunch of uh, encouragement and resources to go after whatever that was. You know. For me, was it was basketball. It was uh, you know a lot of sports. It was reading about those sports. It was black literature that I got into. It was you know, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Um, It was Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. It was stuff that I was learning outside of school too, and and they took me. They they would take me to camps. I was a Boy Scout um i would go to science camp i would do summer school every summer you know so my brain was always constantly wanting to learn wanting new information wanting to know how things worked wanting to get better at things you know and they put me in the arts too at a young age i was doing acting tap dancing piano you know my brother's playing saxophone and playing piano and you know so we got that well-rounded experience. But, but back to San Marino, <clears throat> we were able to use all those resources. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't an easy road for us by any means. I remember in first grade, my, the, my brother's first grade teacher said that my brother was mentally, mentally challenged and that he was retar- like basically calling him retarded. And my dad came to the school and he was like, <laughs> We ain't playing these fucking games here. My mm-hmm. son is smart. He's brilliant. And I don't care how much, I don't care how much you try to persuade me or convince me that he needs to be in a special ed program. That's literally never gonna happen. And he looked to the school district, he looked to the principal, and he's like, You need to fire this teacher for saying this. You need to because it's unacceptable. Because I know my son. And maybe you want him out of your classroom because you're a racist but that's not gonna happen and you're gonna have to deal with us, period. My brother went to Yale, you know what I mean? (laughs) So it's like, shut the fuck, shut up. And they also tried to do that with me. They tried to put me in RSP classes, like the special reading class, which my naive ass at the time, I was like 10, was like, yeah, I went home, I was like, dad, they put me in this special reading class. There's only like two other kids. like, what's it called? RSP, they like take me out of regular class and like, they say it's like a gifted program. And then he went to school, he's like, what the hell is this program? Why is my son in this program? And I remember going to the program and I would read things and it was the easiest shit I've ever done. It was like, read this sentence, Ryan. Um, The Blue Jay flew over the fence. like, good job. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I am smart. But I'm like, this is really easy. I guess I'm a genius. You know, but they took me out of that real fast and put me re- back into the thing, you know, back back into the regular curriculum, which and me, me and my brother both got humble brag or, you know, subtle brag or subtle flex. Like we got all A's mm-hmm. all the time. And it wasn't like a, it wasn't a pain for us. You know what I mean? We weren't killing ourselves to get all A's. We just loved learning so much because it was instilled in us, you know? Yeah uh and and of course growing up too you had you know the non-acceptance of i remember my brother and maybe he'll hear this maybe he won't i don't know if i'm allowed to tell the story but i'm just gonna go ahead and tell it (laughs) okay (laughs) his best friends were his really really core best friends were this group of uh four asian kids and they would do everything together they'd be at races together go to each other's houses they play video games together but then mm-hmm. one day came where, and I think for him, it was fourth grade where the N word came up and he was like, they were joking and saying the N word and it's like, ha, hey, Ryan Reynolds is an N word. Ha. Huh? And he's like, basically the third grade version of look guys, I'm not playing that shit. Don't say that. Cause it makes me uncomfortable and don't say that. And they doubled down on it and he just got in a, He got in a huge fight. And then after that day, he just didn't hang out with them anymore. He cut ties with them, um, and he started mm-hmm. he started hanging out with <laughs> the white kids and skateboarding and stuff like that. And I think, I think that was a pivotal moment that sort of made him understand that these Asian kids or this Asian community that there was this this divide that he didn't know was there, right? That was very strong and ever prevalent and no one ever talked about it but he saw the monster face to face in that interaction and i think for a while he was like look i don't i'm not dealing with that i don't want to hang out with you guys i'm gonna go over here and do this M- meanwhile i'm like <laughs> i'm like some dude just called me the n-word and i'm like look i'm i just realized i'm black so I'm going to be the blackest black person ever in the world. I'm going to wear baggy jeans to school. I'm going to wear Snoop Dogg, a Snoop Dogg chain and t- try to talk differently. Cause like, I don't know if you knew this bro, but we're black. And I'm looking at him, like judging him. Cause he's in skateboard clothes that are tight jeans and, and ripped, uh, like ripped mm. pants and stuff. And he's hanging out with the white kids. And I'm over here hanging by myself and this other Asian kid who's like, who like really loves black culture. And it's just us too, you know? So we, and we, me and my brother just constantly would go through waves of being, feeling like we're not black enough, not Asian enough, or thinking that we're too white or whatever, all throughout our time in elementary school. You know what I mean? Yeah. And school and and high school.
1: Yeah. I think that with the dynamic of just where you are in life, who you like who's surrounding you, Um, who you choose to surround yourself with Um, it really goes with you know that theme and you mentioned this earlier in um, one of your answers um, you know that the proximity to quote-unquote whiteness yeah um, that's you know prevalent in like you said it comes in waves throughout our life it can be sometimes it can be like where I was growing up where I'm trying to Americanize myself as much as possible and I'm trying to um achieve that you know closer proximity to whiteness in the things that i do the people that i hang out with but then there are ways where i'm like hey we're i'm asian yeah i'm filipino like mm-hmm. th- like look at this is the food i eat this is the yeah. like this is what i wear like this yeah. is it you know
0: to feel proud i think we're mm-hmm. also shifting uh, minorities are shifting their their idea of what success is and it doesn't have anything to do with being white or being around white people, because for mm-hmm. the longest, that's all it was. That's all it was. Was yeah. like we don't under- we. I don't think we understood how much power we really did have, economically, socially, politically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're still working on the political part. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, because that translates into more economic power as well. But da- I look at the Asian community and I'm like, y'all just, uh, not y'all, we. We <laughs> we did so well. We came here, you know, some of us mm-hmm. as refugees, but then, you know, a lot of us uh, after the Immigration, Immigration Act of 1965, you know, the, mm-hmm. we were highly qualified and basically recruited to come here. We did really well. We put our heads down and we worked super hard and we formed insular communities that a dollar stays in for and longer than any other community in America. We did that. You know, we did. So, what do we need y'all for? Do you know what I mean? But I don't Mm want to go too far in that realm because, you know, Asians are a minority, and just because they, just because we established ourselves uh, successfully in this insular bubble that we do have, we can't allow that to make us feel like we're better than any other minority, or that Mm -hmm. because we've achieved that, we can look at Black people and we can look at Brown people and, and uh, Latinos and Latinas and be like, look, we did this shit. Why can't you? Because the circumstances are not the same. They're yeah. not the same. Definitely. We need to dive into the understanding of why Asians were, were able to do that. Yes it, yes, it was their hard work and their tenacity, but they were under a different set of circumstances than black and brown people, period.
1: Mm-hmm. Period.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't take away from anything they've achieved. Mm-hmm. What we've achieved. And I think that's something that, needs to be clarified and understood even more as we continue on into the future because that is something that's going to unite minorities together you know Mm -hmm, definitely because chinese people worked on the goddamn railroad and were treated like fucking dogs you know Mm -hmm. highly expendable they didn't even treat them like human beings you know and that's a part of history that we don't learn in school we don't learn that shit in school we learned that we were building the transatlantic railroad for America. And we could go from the East coast to the West coast in and increase increased trade. And the Chinese people kind of helped too, but it did so much for America. You know, it's like yeah. you know, huge. I remember hearing stories or reading stories about, you know, the dynamite, the dynamiters, the, the, the Asian immigrants who came here and had to dynamite sides of cliffs. And the best strategy that these, these barons that were in charge of the construction came up with was like, we're gonna lower this Asian man in a basket, and he's gonna have a, a stick of dynamite. He's gonna light it, wedge it in a crack, and then time it just right so when he pushes off the side of the cliff, it'll explode, and the explosion will be done by the time he comes back and hits the cliff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's you know crazy. Many, you know how many that's Asian crazy and died under those yeah. circumstances? Not just one circumstance. That makes no sense at all you know what i mean yeah. you could only not you could only think that that was okay if you didn't see these people as human beings and that's a part of our history it's a huge part of of our history because asian mm-hmm. american history is american history just like african american history is american history and we mm-hmm. don't see that we still don't and,
1: yeah. something now, is about that. and i think you know in recent years we've been doing a really good job with getting that part of history out into the open, because yeah. the, the college setting, um, this is the only way I can relate to it, because, you know, Zach and I were college students. Um, but in the fall for, Filip- for my Filipino Student Association, we have Filipino American History Month in October, where we celebrate all of the, the history that has, uh, that's happened for Filipino Americans since we came to the United States. Um, and we celebrate that, and we try and spread awareness of Filipino culture uh, all throughout October. But then you also go to um, the spring semester, where I think it's in May, May. Zach. I might yeah. be wrong. Um, Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month, um, Asian Pacific Islander American Heritage Month, where we just our Asian students, American students association um, takes well not really in may we do it in like march or april but we take every week that week and we look into a different asian culture and we try and showcase that part of asian american history or that just that that we try and showcase that culture so that it's not that we're forgetting um that part of history that happened where we hey it it does include asian americans Mm -hmm. we're we're celebrating it more so exactly
0: that's that's another thing right we need to know the dark, deep dark history that they've hid from us but also we need mm-hmm. to celebrate the history that they also didn't show from us show, show yeah. us because there's the, so many the parts
1: heroes. of history that yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah
1: mean, there's so many parts of history that i didn't know about yeah, until
2: um, yeah have you watched the uh, the pbs documentary asian americans me no
1: i have no? not oh highly
2: recommend i'm gonna link that in the no, show notes actually Um, it's like five hours it's like it's like five one hour part but it's so worth it It actually came out this may um it's really good yeah um yeah incredible but yeah it dives really deep into like asian american history and how it becomes a part of like american history um and like shapes a lot of like the modern debates we have about things like whether it was like the um the family separation at the border or like um, like the idea of like birthright citizenship and stuff like that and how it ties to like historical stuff. It's really good.
0: See, that's, and that's exactly what I've come to understand by embracing who I am and and being very out loud about it is that just like Emily, you were talking about accelerating it, right? Mm -hmm. When you start to celebrate it eh, who you are, and all the all the joys of it, you start to understand that there's a huge community out there that actually supports you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for me, in my mind, I was just like, "Well, I'm not gonna embrace that because no one's gonna no one's gonna care. Why do they care? You know? I'm not gonna be out loud about it because why would they care?" But in my mind, I'm 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 still conditioned to believe that I don't my story doesn't matter because it's because of this predominant being conditioned by this predominantly uh, white culture that we 're subject to in America, you know mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. that that uh, uplifts it, uplifts itself and i 'm not talking about white people i 'm talking about the predominant white culture that uplifts itself at the detriment of all others right mm-hmm. and it's apparent in our educational system how we learn from uh, white history or history from a white perspective or call it white history uh, mm-hmm. to to not understand how how beautiful we are, you know what I mean. Yeah.
1: It's, and that's the beauty subtle of subtle shift. Yeah, that's the beauty of podcasts like, you know, what Zach and I are trying to do here in the Situation Room. Um, other podcasts that I've tuned into, like Dear Asian Americans with Jerry Wan. Shout out um, Jerry Wan. Shout <laughs> out to Jerry Wan. We
0: love <laughs> you. We love yes.
1: you. Yes. Um, but yeah, like these. So for at least for the Situation Room, our um, Great name, by the way. Thank okay. you. That's all, Zach. <laughs> but our our mission statement is, you know, we're a journey into Asian America, and we dive deep into the issues in the Asian American community, and we ask the questions like, where are you really from? And we talk about representation and food and our own experiences. We tell our stories, not just to raise awareness, but we're trying to provide a platform where we are celebrating our Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, like our culture we're celebrating our background and we're providing a space a a medium for anyone that happens to tune in to share their experiences with us to celebrate the diversity that exists in our country and in our community
0: yeah yeah and i i'm here i'm here to support and be behind that message wholeheartedly i endorse this campaign no I'm, i'm so yeah no it it because I think Asians are embracing themselves, and we're embracing ourselves in a way that we haven't before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We haven't before. I don't think in this in
2: this fashion. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it is like the democratization of like content creating, um, yeah, because there's no true. like executives that can stop us, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: like gatekeep gatekeep us away from being on TV or or, or not being on TV, but getting our platform and our ideas and our messages out there yeah
1: <laughs> so yeah i know we are called the situ asian room and we are talking about asian american topics and in this episode specifically we're talking about um your experiences as being you know black and asian american mm-hmm. but for our listeners at home that are not black or not asian uh what would you like for them to take away from everything that we talked about on this episode.
0: I mean, it all applies. It all applies because we're talking about embracing who you are. <laughs> we're, talking about, we're talking about knowing who you are and discovering that and celebrating that, whoever you are. And when, you're, when, we, when we say it in, in terms of this American system that has a predominant culture, that doesn't necessarily include minorities most of the time that's necessary for all of us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and and if you are a white person listening to it, it applies to you, maybe not in a racial way, but in many other ways that you live your life. Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. think this, this message is is only for Asians or only for Blasians like me, because my message is definitely not, you know, my message is love yourself and love other people and understand where they're coming from and have those conversations and understand that when someone is speaking from anger and hate, that wasn't, they weren't born out of the womb. Like I hate black people. I hate, you know what I mean? Like that was taught to them. And it's become a cliche to hear like, it's taught, it's taught, but it really is taught. And you need to understand that like, if, when people spout these things out of their mouth that they are, vict- they are victims you know and we can feel mm-hmm. compassion for those people I mean if, but if it, com- it comes to a physical place then you deal with that but most of the time it's just people shouting at each other on the internet you know mm-hmm. and, and once you stop shouting what's left once you stop like hating each other and you're face to face what are you going to do are are you really going to fight about these ideals that you have when there's a human being right in front of you that you can like have a coffee or a beer with and just like talk about life with you're going to fight him about this thing over here that doesn't really affect the situation right in front of you. That doesn't make sense to me. You know, what can you learn from, from another human being that's in front of you? You know, I, I feel like people should, there, there's a, it's so easy to get on a computer and be anonymous or not even anonymous just be on a computer and type some shit and not see somebody you know what i mean mm-hmm. but if you're would you say that to their face would you say it to their face no would you say it to their face you wouldn't because you would treat them with more of a human decency because they're right in front of you and also there's a danger that they might kick your ass if you say something that's like just blatantly disrespectful yeah because you wouldn't do that that's not who you are but this facade, this facade, and the safety that you think you have to completely eviscerate somebody uh, with your ver- with verbal vitriol that you wouldn't say face to face is like that's something that we need to work on as as human beings on honestly on both sides, for being honest, yeah. if we're really being honest, because it's it's not bringing us any it's not bringing the country forward, not bringing humanity forward in general. It's just creating a bigger and bigger divide because no one's listening. No one's acting from their heart. Everyone's acting from hate and anger, you know, Mm -hmm. even the liberals.
2: (laughs) I would agree. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Before we let you go, Ryan, here in the Situation Room, every time we bring a guest, so every week, we ask a series of different questions and I'm just gonna jump right into it. Uh what does quote unquote being AAPI or being Asian American Pacific Islander mean to you?
0: Man, I mean, obviously there's so many of us and we come from all different places and we're all different shapes and sizes. Uh to me, to me specifically, I mean I'm a mixture of Black and Asian, and I think that if you're mixed with something, I'm speaking to mixed people here that are mixed Asian, don't think that you're ever not enough. You're not Asian enough to be Asian or to act Asian or to hang out with Asians. You are always enough. Um, And to really appreciate yourself by appreciating your culture.
2: Yeah, I, I like that. Um, so our next question is, you know, what is your favorite Asian dish?
0: Yeah, easy. So it's such an easy question. My grandma, <laughs> really? my grandma throws down in the kitchen, y'all. She <laughs> makes this ginger crab that is like Ooh. the best. It's the best food I think I'll ever ingest in my body in, in my entire life. I think it's the quickest anyone's ever answered. That's Everyone's the quickest
1: like, answer. Because, I think maybe yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just the greatest dish. And Uh, my fam my family like it but they don't like it as much as i do and as much as i think they should so i like eat most of it by myself and if there's anything else on the table like i'm just like i don't need any of that rice no 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 noodles no no no. just give me the crab matter of fact just give me all of it and if you want some i'll hand you some because you know i'm gonna eat most of it anyway
2: but yeah (laughs)
1: that's awesome Wow, that's the again. That's the fastest we've like the fastest response <laughs>
0: Wait, people, to the first like, question. Have to really think about it.
2: Yeah, because I, everyone's I like, I don't know my favorite. Honestly, I it's there's hard. Too much. It's hard to choose. I mean,
0: it's easy for me because it's my grandma, and there's nostalgia there, and there's you know the, mm-hmm. the familiar aspect to it. Like, it's easy for me to pick.
1: That. Yeah. All right. Next question: Who would you consider to be your AAPI role model?
0: Uh, my mom. Nice. Period. <laughs> That's it. Uh I mean there's others obviously, but look, I don't need to name them cuz my mom, she's top notch. She's the, she's oh. at the highest peak. Love it.
2: I love it. Our last question, how can people connect with you and watch your content?
0: Uh go to um my Instagram, Ryan Alex. Ryan Alex H. Go to my TikTok. Also Ryan Alex H go to my twitter. Well, don't go to my twitter. I don't have anything on there. I don't really use <laughs> twitter. But but TikTok and Instagram, I do make a lot of posts on on Facebook as well. Ryan Alexander Holmes. Um, but I don't really want you to follow me on there cuz it's it's more personal. All
1: right. Yeah. But now you
0: are cuz I told you. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, Thank you again to the incredible Ryan Alexander Holmes for joining us here in the Situation Room for this week's interview. Guys, if you are interested in anything that was mentioned during this interview, check out the show notes for this episode on our website, www.situasianroom.com. But yeah, thanks, Ryan, for coming on Thank to the show. You. It's been a blast. Thank, Thank
0: you. you. Love this. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Alright guys, welcome to season two of Dish It Out. This is our segment where we sit down and dish out some of our foodie favorites from our own cultures and introduce cuisines from around the Asian American Pacific Islander community. So to start off season two, Zach and I are going to give you guys dishes from our own cultures. So I'm gonna kick it off by bringing some Filipino food to the Dish It Out table. I'm gonna be talking about kare kare. So a lot of my Filipino homies know about this dish. Some people love it, some people don't. This is a Filipino stew, or it's kind of like our version of what curry would be like. Um, But this is a very popular dish in the Philippines. Traditionally, this is made with oxtail and tripe, which is cow intestines, different vegetables like eggplant and bok choy. And a thick, savory peanut sauce. And honestly, I didn't like this dish growing up. I didn't like the like the peanut sauce and the vegetables. Like I personally just didn't like eggplant growing up. So whenever my grandmother would make this dish, it wasn't one of the, the foods that you would find on my plate. Um, I stuck with a lot of the safer Filipino foods growing up. But as I got older and I branched out, I grew to love kare so much. And nobody makes this dish better than my grandmother. Um, Unfortunately for Zach, because it does have a peanut sauce, you are unable to try it. Sure, it's good. I think that this is such a great dish. Um, I have it with a bowl of white rice um, and... You'll find this, or at least for my family and a lot of other Filipino families, you will find this at big parties. It's such a hearty meal. And, you know, just because it it is that curry, like almost stew uh, consistency, because depending on where you have it, some families will make it more of like a sauce, um, but where it's like super thick, but other recipes, you know, it might not be as thick, it might be a little runnier of a peanut sauce. But regardless, the combination of oxtails and mixed vegetables, which a lot of people will, you know, throw in their own vegetables and make it their own personalized dish is what makes it so incredible. And I recently just had this at a family gathering and it's, just, it's that comfort food. Like it makes you feel all warm inside and oh my goodness, I love it so much. But yes, that is my dish that I'm bringing to the dish it out table.
2: That's awesome. So I'm curious do you, when you like eat it with white rice, do you pour it over the white rice or?
1: Yes. So personally, I like having the rice plated um, in one corner and then I pour the kare kare, I pour like the vegetables and the meat over the rice and i take a little bit of the sauce and i like pour the sauce over the rice so that it mixes and it's just every bite is bursting with flavor i personally I, that's the only way i know how to do it
2: oh interesting i know that's like that reminds me of like how koreans eat stew you know or they like like mix over rice and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah my family makes fun of me i personally this is a weird thing about me i don't like things on my rice i just kind of like a plain or like some sauces are fine but it has to be like super light like like fish sauce is fine over my rice, but like, that's about it. And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm really weird. Like I'll eat things together, but they just can't be sitting on top of it. I don't know. There's a weird thing. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, So wait, is the, is the peanut sauce like mixed into the stew?
1: Yeah. So it's like in the sauce, it's like peanut butter. So like, you mix. Uh, yeah, it's like a peanut sauce
2: it's gotcha. like a thick
1: peanut like peanut buttery sauce
2: everything about the peanut sauce sounds good to me but it's allergic
1: yeah sorry dude
2: that's funny is it like is eggplant like a big part of it
1: a lot of a lot of like traditional dishes will include um eggplant uh, a lot of people like it'll have bok choy i have had fere fere in the past with like um string beans in it sometimes there's honestly like it's just it's whatever you you make of it like whatever vegetables you you like that you want to include you totally can okay it's more of like the hearty like stew veggies that will like last in a stew you know
2: mm-hmm. yeah no what <laughs> I I feel like eggplant is a very like mature vegetable you know like for people to mm-hmm. buy I don't know. I at school I I bought an eggplant at the grocery store and I was like, this is an adult purchase.
1: (laughs) Oh my god. Exactly. It is what honestly. Eggplant is so in my opinion, it's so slept on. Like you can do so much with eggplant. It's a really great vegetable.
2: It's kind of a pain in the ass to soften though, because you have to like soak it in salt water or like like cook it for a while. But I mean it's good. I mean, like
1: that's how you know you're adulting. Yeah,
2: I feel like eating vegetables is adulting, you know. i guess yeah. I guess too many of my friends just like make frozen chicken nuggets and stuff like that and like frozen pizzas but anyway uh my dish for this shit out uh is a dim sum favorite sumai or shumai uh, depending on how you pronounce it uh Cantonese isn't great but it is a pork and shrimp dumpling uh with a wonton wrapper that's like wrapped around the side but the top is open so think of it like you have like a little meatball of like shrimp and pork and then it's wrapped around the sides uh, with a steamed wonton wrapper. Uh, and so, yeah, it comes a little like those metal or bamboo steamed uh, holders. I don't know what to call them. Units. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what they're called. I just know they. <laughs> I just don't use them. Um, and sometimes they have a little like row on top, uh, like for like that little pop of orange colored, um, but yeah, it is. It's delicious. Um, you know, it's great with like different sauces. Um, and yeah, I I love them. They're dim sum have favorite.
1: Tried, have you ever tried making them?
2: I have not. Okay, I actually recently went to Chinatown, Philly, uh, one of my favorite places, and at uh, this restaurant called Dim Sum Garden, which is like big in Chinatown, Philly. I went to the bathroom, and in the back, I walked past, and I saw like uh, one of the cooks making it, and she had this oh, wow. massive pile. Um, of like the the inside mixture, right? Like the meat and the shumai and all that. And Mm -hmm. she like had her wonton wrappers and she was like quickly like going through and and just packing them in and just like forming them really quickly. I was impressed. Uh, But I don't know, they seem like I I can make them. Maybe I'll try to make them. Maybe that'll be food for this weekend. We'll see. Um, Yeah, actually I I will. I'm kind of craving them. There's a place in Miami though. I don't forget what it's called, but they do vegan uh, shumai. Really? Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I mean it looks good.
1: Honestly, I grew up with Shumai. Um, there was always like a staple in my family was going to um Chinese restaurants for dim sum and getting Shumai and just dipping it in the just like a a mix of soy sauce and
2: chili oil. Ooh, that's good.
1: Mm I it's like one of the things that I can remember eating like even as a little kid with my cousins at the table with the lazy Susan just like passing around different like of those little like metal like tins of different um, dim sum dishes and just having like, like just like those little round tins like tins and tins of shumai because I was just favorite for everyone at the table.
2: They're good. I know I think we had them for uh lunar new year this year. Then when we had our little picnic.
1: Mm, I oh, we, yeah. I we definitely did.
2: ordered them. Yeah. Um now they're like three bucks for like a few of them, right? Like for like a steamed order. But at the vegan place they're like twelve like dollars. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going. I don't have anybody of a college kid about doing that. But it's interesting. Uh, Anyway, that wraps it up for this episode's Dish It Out segment. And if you guys have any dishes you want us to bring to the Dish It Out table, make sure to send it to us uh, via that's recipes or on our website or through social media. Just let us know. Thank you again to Ryan Alexander Holmes for coming into the Situation Room. And thank you all for tuning into this episode.
1: That was an awesome interview. I personally, just looking back, it was really interesting to see how people from our community, people from the AAPI community. Are really pushing to not only raise awareness of you know cultural diversity, but they're using social media to celebrate the diversity and celebrate showing showcasing awareness of different cultures. Not just and it's not just the Asian American community, um, but it's really cool to see that people are taking to social media, using platforms like Instagram and TikTok even YouTube like us or podcasts to really push for I guess cultural celebration and cultural diversity because 10 years ago when Instagram was still fair was still new and you know we didn't have TikTok it was Vine or just watching short clips on YouTube we didn't have you know a whole lot and it's hard to like I never would have been able to imagine how powerful social media could be um for things like you know using your voice to share whatever messages you find important
2: yeah and I think Ryan's message is really interesting. Uh, his perspective is is fascinating as someone who's both Asian and Black, uh, especially in a time right now. Yeah. Um, he's bringing a lot of different people together because he has this shared experience that, like, maybe you know, maybe you and I hold too, but also people uh, you know from the Black community as well. Um, And I think it's highlighting a common humanity, uh, which is awesome. Um, You know, but that's all for this episode. And as always, The Situation Room is produced by Crimson Planet Media. Make sure to check us out at our website, SituationRoom.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook uh, at The Situation Room for more content.
1: Guys, new season, same deal. We always want to hear from you. So send us messages and dish it out recipes through our website, slide into our DMs on Instagram, message us on Facebook, and let us know what you guys want us to talk about next in the Situation Room. But for now, thank you again for joining us on this step of our journey through Asian America. My name is Emily Villaverdi.
2: And I'm Zach King. So I'm same place, same time next week.
1: Duh, we have a whole second season to promote. Oh,
2: we do. We do. All right. Sounds good. All right. We'll see y'all next
1: time. Bye, guys.
2: This has been awesome. All right, just like that, we're done.